0: Welcome to RV Out West. I'm your host, Brooks. My family of four's base camp is located in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and our RV adventures radiate from there. I'm relatively new to RVing, and a few years ago, I convinced my wife that for an anniversary present, we should buy a used tent trailer from some friends of ours. Ever since then, we have fallen head over heels for the RV life, and we now find ourselves towing a 26-foot Jayco travel trailer. So grab yourself a mug of coffee and join us as we discuss RVing around the West. From sweet camping spots, gear and equipment, to tips and tricks, we've got you covered. We are RV Out West. I am really excited to be sharing this episode today. It has been two years plus in the works as we had decided to go to Glacier National Park back in 2019 in the pre-pandemic pandemic And that year the trip got canceled due to the pandemic. And so we ended up just shifting our reservations down one more year into 2020, hoping that we would be able to go. So we have really had this trip planned for almost two years. What we did is we took a month on the road. As I had mentioned previously, We go on an annual camping trip every year with a group of about 10 to 12 families. And this year, we went to a wonderful uh, state park here in Washington State in Eastern Washington called Curlew Lake State Park. From there in Curlew, which is about six hours from where we live, we drove six more hours east through the rest of Eastern Washington, through the top of the panhandle of Idaho, Dropped into the Flathead Valley, into Kalispell, and then began the drive out of Kalispell up through the foothills of the mountains there, the Continental Divide, to go to our campground at the West Glacier KOA. This drive was beautiful. I mean, just coming in and and doing the drive, everything about it, from the scenery through Idaho and Montana, Was stunning. In this episode today, I'm going to be focusing specifically on Glacier National Park. Glacier National Park, you know, it was established on May 11th, 1910 by President William Taft. One of the great things about this park is the Going to the Sun Road. The Going to the Sun Road is the only road that traverses the park, which also crosses the Continental Divide there at the Logan Pass Visitor Center at an elevation of 6,646 feet or 2,026 meters which is the highest point on the road. Construction began in 1921 and it was completed in 1932. The road is approximately 50 miles or 80 kilometers long and spans the width of the park between the east and west entrance stations. New this year was the ticketed entry system and I gotta tell you guys it took my wife and I three days of getting up at five o'clock in the morning to try and get our ticketed entry, or our ticket for the entry on the going to the Sun Road. It was like trying to get a concert tickets. Um, Every morning we would wake up and she would be on her computer, I would be on my computer. Okay, it hit, it's open. We're logged into our recreation.gov account And we're trying to add to the cart, refresh, add to the cart, refresh, add to the cart, refresh, add to the cart. Oh, I got it. Okay, so then I could go through, pay the $2 fee, and get the ticketed entry ticket, which was good for one week of being able to come and go as you please on your schedule. It was a crazy, zany system. But having that ticket, it's the golden ticket. I mean, it was worth getting up those three days to try and make it happen because we are not morning people. And so if you don't have this ticket and you want to go into the park, you need to be inside the park before 6 a.m. And that's, you know, it's either going before 6 a.m. or after. I think it's 6 p.m. So having that ticket uh, for the going to the sun road Provided us the best experience, and we were really lucky to get that. I will add that the park rangers had a really incredible system for using the ticketed entry, and so there wasn't a lot of backup at the pre checkpoint to get in before you went into the national park. So they had it flowing pretty easily and pretty well. So it was a you know, it turned out to be a pretty okay system. West Glacier is the busier of the two entrances to the park. Just outside of the park, it feels very touristy with attractions like zip lines, water slides, go karts all the souvenir shops. But that said, there are some great restaurants and breweries, and if you need to stock up on groceries, Kalispell or Whitefish are only about 30 to 45 minutes drive away and have all the offerings of a Costco, Walmart, Home Depot, etc., This side of the park is on the west side of the Continental Divide. It is a very lush green, it's high alpine, and it is way more forested than, I would say, the east side. There are a lot of things to see here and west and around West Glacier if you decide to use West Glacier as your base camp. Outside of the park, you have whitefish. This is a mountain ski town nestled in the foothills of the mountain range. When we were there, an artist farmer's market was going on with the tents and all the different artists having showing their artwork. There's lots of restaurants and shopping to explore, if that's something you enjoy doing. We explored the park and then headed into Whitefish one evening for dinner and found just a little stop at a little pub that was kid-friendly so we could go in and, and get Burgers and pints and root beers and all of that, and it was a great little spot. The going to the Sun Road, I will say, it is not as harrowing a drive as I was expecting. For some reason, in my mind's eye, I was thinking it was going to be on one of those dangerous road shows you maybe see on History Channel or something. I mean, it's narrow, it's winding, it's beautiful, and maybe that's the most dangerous part, is trying to keep your eyes on the road instead of looking out at all the scenery. There is so much wildlife in this park, from prairie dogs to mountain goats, bighorn sheep. There is just so much wildlife to see. So you are definitely going to want to bring binoculars. Lake McDonald, from the fabled picture rocks and all the photos that we've all seen to the surrounding mountains that cradle this lake, it's beautiful. And the old lodge here is rich with history and worthy of an exploration. We spent a little bit of time. This is where we did jump on to catch a red bus tour. So we were able to kind of walk around and go look at the artwork inside this lodge and the chandeliers and just everything about this lodge is just, it's pretty amazing just to, to check it out. Uh, To play. You can uh, paddle Lake McDonald, you know, so at, if you're a paddler. Uh, at both apgar village and at the Lake McDonald Lodge you can rent kayaks sups and take yourselves and go on a paddle it's a great way to take in the surrounding beauty at your own pace so that might be something to consider they also do have the Lake McDonald guided tour boats they'll give you the history of the Lake McDonald Lodge the families who settled the area who you know built in the Uh, train tracks, because there's still some private houses across the lake that are now kind of grandfathered into being in the National Park. So if you want to get more of a lay of the land about the lake and the area right there around the lake, then the Lake McDonald uh, tour boats might be a great option for you. Hiking. You can't come to Glacier National Park and not want to go on a hike. We did uh, the Trail of Cedars to Avalanche Lake. This is a very popular hike, and we lucked into a parking spot by 8 a.m. That lot fills fast. As I had mentioned, you know, with our ticketed entry and us not being morning people, we did luck in. That maybe was a day where we wanted to get up and go. So um, if you are planning to hit any of those big hikes that are needed, you're going to want to definitely get an early start to the day. But the Trail of the Cedars out to Avalanche Lake, the the hike is beautiful. It starts out in this lush forest. You're you're walking along a boardwalk that's got these little signs kind of telling you what's going on as far as the flora and fauna. And then you kind of crest nestled up to a creek. And as you cross over the creek, you kind of get that beautiful sounds of falling water. And then the trail diverges there. And you can hang the left to go out and up to Avalanche Lake. And so as we went out that way, you're kind of following this creek out. Um, So there's all these beautiful opportunities to stop and just sit and be still and silent and listen to the sounds of moving water. If you're a photographer, it's a great spot to, you know, do some shutter drag and get that motion of the water going. It, It just really is a beautiful beautiful hike and as you then end up at avalanche lake for all the the beautiful scenery it's it's a wonderful wonderful hike um the other thing as i'd mentioned we did the red bus tour we don't normally do touristy things but this was a great first day excursion it really helped us get a lay of the land of the park understand the history and the geology of the park our driver was very informative and shared all sorts of wonderful information. I will say too, just as a little side note, that if you don't have a ticketed entry, uh, taking a Red Bus tour could be a great option to be able to get you into the park. Because if you can show reservations for like the Lake McDonald tour boat or the Red Bus tour, that will help get you into the park without using it. You know, having the ticketed entry, you your reservation is your ticket. To eat and drink, Um, we found some wonderful, wonderful places there in West Glacier to uh, get food. We went to Backslope Brewing. We went after a full day of adventuring. This is a kid-friendly place with incredible food and a wide selection of delicious beers. We had about a 30-minute wait for a table, but I got to tell you, it was worth it. For example, I had the ginger pork Sandwich which was delicious, and I was doing just tastings of beers. I didn't actually ever get a full pint, I just was doing four ounce pours. But um, when I go to places like this, I really want to be able to to taste their beers, all of them. uh, So I don't typically drink a bunch of pints just up the road from Backslope Brewing on your way back in towards um, or heading out of West Glacier is the Glacier Distillery Company. I ran in to get a couple of bottles to bring back home and for the campsite. And the gentleman that was working the tasting room with me, I told him, I go, I got to kind of taste quickly. I got, you know, the wife and the kids are sitting in the car. And after talking about the different types of whiskeys and bourbons that I like to drink, he recommended one called Fireweed. Fireweed is a gold medal winner in 2017 at the SIP International. It was described to me as a Manhattan in a bottle. With a hint of cherry, this whiskey is just something you can shake and pour, have it neat or even on the rocks. It was delicious. I also picked up a bottle of their Trapline Rock and Rye, which is a gold medal winner at the 2021 International Whiskey Competition for Best Flavored Whiskey. It's a little sweeter than I normally like my whiskeys, but it will make for some delicious wintertime hot toddies here in the Pacific Northwest during ski season, and I'm looking forward to having it. The other thing is, you can't be in Montana and not eat huckleberry ice cream. You can get this just about anywhere, and after a hot day on the trails or adventuring, this is a treat. So you definitely want to eat your body weight in huckleberry ice cream. To stay. We stayed at the West Glacier KOA, and this place blew our minds. With a resort designation, it was a five-star resort for sure. The pool with its red umbrellas was the go-to place in the late afternoons and evenings, bustling with kids and adults swimming, laughing. But it was also the place to exchange that day's activities with fellow campers and explorers. Here, we were able to gather tips and advice on the area and places you know, hey, what did you do today? Where did you go? What did you see? How was it? What was it like? Was the parking hard? You know, so all of those kind of things, the the pool in that pre-dinner hour was a great place to gather intel. The landscape at this KOA is magnificent, and they really, unlike any other KOA I have ever stayed at, they really... um used landscaping as a divider to help make the sites, each site, private and give you that that sense of privacy instead of feeling like you're just in a big RV parking lot. It was mindfully done, tastefully done, and very much appreciated. On site of this KOA, they also have a coffee shop and a restaurant. The coffee shop makes a great Americano or a latte if you're looking for that little extra caffeinated buzz in the morning. The restaurant we got breakfast at one day and they shaped pancakes and it was just fresh and really, really appreciated breakfast, especially if there was that day where either you just don't feel like cooking or you just are trying to get out and you don't want to make that mess in your own trailer. There's also the local scoop ice cream. So every, just about every night after dinner, the kids and I would ride our bikes from our campsite over to the local scoop. And go grab a scoop of ice cream and kind of share in our day's activities. As I will also say, um, this month-long trip for me was not all vacation. So I am a remote worker. And so I needed to be able to have connectivity so I could do my job. I was not off of work for a full 30 days. In the early part of the trip... You know, I was three days off, two days on. And as the trip got, you know, as we got more and more along into the month, it became more like three days on, two days off. And at the end there, I was working four days on and one day off. So I, I just kind of, so having connectivity and internet was crucial on this trip. There's a whole lot of information out there on the internet, but the big thing is is to have redundancy. So, at the West Glacier KOA, their Wi-Fi was pretty good. Um, again, it depends on how close you are in the park to all the main you know to the main office. But I was able to use my Verizon jetpack and had Verizon uh, services. We also had a T-Mobile jetpack, so. Uh, That was an important consideration for us as well. After a week, our time in West Glacier had come to an end, and so it was time for us to hook up and have a travel day. And so the drive from West Glacier over to St. Mary East Glacier is about a three-hour drive pulling our travel trailer. With strict length requirements on the the going-to-the-sun road, you have to drive around the park, which is not a problem and probably preferred. Even if I could, there's no way it would have been interesting to have pulled my 26 foot travel trailer on the Going to the Sun Road. And just real as a side note, the strict length requirements if you're in anything longer than a Class B motorhome, you can't take it on the Going to the Sun Road. You have to drive around. The drive is a beautiful drive and offers some additional breathtaking beauty of this part of Montana. As you get into Saint Mary East Glacier. This side of the park is way quieter than West Glacier. Plus being on this side of the continental divide, the landscape has changed. It begins to flatten out a bit. There's tumbleweeds, less dense forest. This side of the park is way more tranquil. To see, we uh I drove the going to the Sun Road up from Saint Mary. And it was not that scary drive, but rather a very pretty one. Our turnaround point was the Logan Pass Visitor Center. We got out of the truck. We explored the Visitor Center. We saw more mountain goats and bighorn sheep nestled up on a glacier. We explained to our children what exactly the continental divide was and how it affected the watersheds with which they found interesting too. This is a great visitor center with a lot of information and a lot of breathtaking views. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The St. Mary Lake, in my opinion, is prettier and more beautiful than Lake McDonald. There is significantly less traffic, so there's all sorts of different views that you can use to take in the lake. And it's surrounded by all the geological mountains. It's very cool. Next time I'm there, I definitely want to paddle this lake for sure. Wildlife. After one of our stops, we were getting back into the truck and my seven-year-old daughter spotted a fox and pointed that out to the family. Collectively on this trip, we were keeping a tally of the wildlife that we were seeing. This was a fun animal to see and it was just across the street from where we were parked. It was pretty amazing to see it. To play. The main focus here is park access from the east side. Outside of staying and playing in your campground for a day to take a break and have some rest and relaxation, everything on this side of the park is about going to the park. The visitor center on this side does a nightly ranger talk that is also worth checking out. To eat. For us, we didn't go out to eat anywhere on this side of the park and we ate at the campground in our trailer So I don't really have any tips or places to eat out here in St. Mary. And for groceries, you will want to stock up in West Glacier at Kalispell prior to heading over to St. Mary. There is a small grocery store in St. Mary, but selection is limited and prices are high. And their produce selection, uh, they didn't have a lot of produce either. To stay. We stayed at the St. Mary East Glacier KOA which after coming from the West Glacier was a very different experience. This KOA is more open, less private sites, but that's more typical with a KOA experience. It did have a pool and we swam in it daily, but it was colder than the West Glacier pool. But look, you can't compare these two KOAs. They're just different. Everyone here was so nice. The pool was the epicenter again in the pre-dinner hour with folks talking about what they saw and did that day. It was a great place to gather information about this side of the park. This KOA is surrounded by the majestic parts of the Glacier National Park and the views from the campground are stunning. I keep saying stunning, but I, I can't, I don't know what else to tell you. It's, it's beautiful, it's stunning, it's mind-blowing, it's Glacier National Park, and you gotta see it. This trip for our family was something we had really wanted to do. And to be fortunate enough to live here on the West Coast and be able to do the drive and drive out really made this trip. And this is one of those experiences that I do believe both for my wife and I and for our kids that the memories made on this trip, we will definitely be taking to our grave. We had a wonderful time together, exploring, adventuring, talking, unplugging, just being together. It was wonderful. It's time for a pit stop, and I'm going to share some tips on how we planned for being a month on the road. What were the logistics? How did it work out? And what was all involved to make this a stress-free and fun road trip? When planning for a month long road trip, there are a lot of logistics that go into planning for such a trip. Add in the fact that I have a disease that requires constant managing and medicine, there's a lot involved. Hatching an idea for a trip like this is easy for me. My mind often fills with lots of places to see and explore. The creativity here flows naturally and add in some ADD and destinations easily get chosen. The planning part, I like to break down into three phases. Phase one, nine months to a year out from the trip. Reservations. If you are going to any national park or bucket list destination, you will want to make your reservations at the very minimum nine months out and possibly even a year out. So set the dates that work for your family. Book your reservations for the campground. At this point, you'll have a general route in mind to get from each campground destination. Now you can start your research using places like RoadTripper.com or Roadside America to investigate other things to see while you're on your way and use to potentially break up those long travel days. During phase one, I just jot down notes and ideas, places, things I want to see and do. Phase two. This is two to three months out from the trip. This is gear prep. We have 20-gallon plastic tubs with lids from a big box home improvement store and we use these as shuttles for gear this is when we start adding to our designated amazon wish list called blue jay that we add things to from aspirin to zip ties and everything in between that we may need for ourselves or our trailer we begin to add and buy as needed when the packages arrive they are unpacked and added to the tubs we will also begin to gather items in the house that we do not normally keep in the trailer and those will get added to the tub. This is not just on a weekend or a hey, we need to do this today. It's at they're just out and it's as you remember and have those aha moments where you'll just grab that item and toss it in the tub. It's also the time to start thinking about your RV. Are there items that you need to address from a maintenance standpoint? Now is the time to complete those projects. Double check your tools, your fluids, etc. Clean filters. You know, if you need to dewinterize, now's the time to do that. Phase three, two to four weeks out. This is checklists and meal planning. I can be quite scatterbrained, so I build checklists as redundancy. I have columns that are for our travel trailer, clothes, food, work, tech equipment, camera gear, and others like baseball gloves the game of washers, kites, etc. During this phase, my wife and I will begin discussing meal planning. And so the grocery list for this trip starts. I do want to mention that we only plan for about a week of meals due to space. And you will definitely find grocery stops pretty easily once a week. So need to, no need to go overboard here. I will also begin gathering all the medicine and resources I need to keep myself alive while being on the road for a month. We listen to a lot of podcasts, I know, surprise, surprise, as well as Audible books while on the road. So this is when I am also busy loading up my device and downloading content to keep on my phone and on our kids' Kindles so when we have no cell service. This is also the time that I will add data to our Verizon jetpack so that we can have service in our own hotspot and not be dependent on campground's Wi-Fi's as I need to be able to have work days for my job while on a trip of this length. Tips. I've mentioned this before, but grocery shopping you can do from a laptop or on your mobile device while on the road. And you just do the pickup at the grocery store or the Walmart down the road when you know you're going to be there. We find those stores close to our destination so that we are not traveling with the extra weight of food. And it just makes it easier as you can load it right into your fridge and pantry from the parking lot rather than moving your groceries twice. Even this time when we were on the road for six hours, my wife was able to do a click list grocery shop from her mobile phone as we were driving down the road. So it was just another way to even just, you know have some of the time pass while you're driving so we were talking about food and menu planning and having that conversation and grocery shopping as we were driving and then of course the day before the trip I go get the trailer out of storage I park it on the curb right in front of our house and we go ahead and start loading it packing it and clothes and and dop kits and toothbrushes and what you know food we are bringing at least from the house and putting things in and All of that gets loaded in, so that way then the next morning we can wake up and go. And I've already even fueled the truck at that point. So hopefully you will find these three phases a little more helpful for you the next time you are planning any sort of road trip, RV trip, camping trip that is going to be longer than a weekend. Hopefully these three phases will help make your life a little bit easier. One morning over a cup of coffee, my wife said to me that she was feeling ready to move on here from Glacier National Park. We discussed some ideas on where we could go. This was a total change in our plans and our reservations. We made a few phone calls, and it always started out with something like, I'm afraid I already know the answer, but it never hurts to ask, Do you have any availability? In one situation, they responded with, What are you thinking? And I said, How about today for the next five days? Surprisingly, they said they had a cancellation. I gave them our credit card number and told them we'll see them in six hours. And we began to pack up camp and head that way. But that's next time and for another episode. Be sure to tune in in two weeks to catch that show. So on that note, get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon. Thanks so much for listening to RV Out West. Join us again in two weeks with our next episode. Please like and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you choose to get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And I sure would appreciate if you left a rating or a review of the show. Special thanks to Scott Holmes Music for providing the intro song, We Are One. RV Out West can be found on Instagram and Facebook, where you can interact with us and follow along on our RV adventures around the Pacific Northwest. So get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon.